Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Term Sheets. Afrotech miniseries available on YouTube about venture capital in New York City, February 2020. I'm talking to Maisha League, head of founder and studio operations at Human Ventures, a venture fund, part studio, part enterprise agency. Midway through our conversation in her Park Avenue office, I asked Maisha about the opportunity she might see for startups not situated in a major tech hub to ultimately find success what needs to happen in the ecosystem to ensure it. It's our game to lose. Invariably, right, what will happen is you can't stop. A person on a mission with a clear vision is like a freight train. You can't stop it, right? It'll, it'll take them longer to get there if they're not networked and all that, but you can't stop it. And it's really our game to lose. I think that venture itself as a, as a space um, is not as wanted as it once was, is not as admired as it once was. People are getting more and more creative at what it takes to fund their companies. Um, and so really I would flip the question, the, the real concern or the real urgency is on the part of investors and whether or not they are racing to get there because those folks are going to build, right? Like, just, like it's not what it was 20 years ago, right? They have the capability to build. And I want to encourage those folks, those founders in Oklahoma, in Philadelphia, Mississippi, you know, in Dayton, Ohio, to like, yes, it's hard, right? It's harder to find capital. It's hard to find people you want to collaborate with, but it's not the end of the world. People in New York are building offshore engineering teams. That means that people in Dayton, Ohio can too. And those offshore engineering te teams are cheaper than you can find in New York and San Francisco, which means they're also cheaper for you in Dayton, Ohio. You follow? Like it's, 
It's just a whole new world. And if you believe that your product, your technology should live in the world, there's a way to get there. There are whole hubs and communities in Denver, Colorado, right? There's a community being built in Salt Lake City, Utah. Like that's what's happening because smart people are waking up to the fact that, that you guys are out there and that it's our game to lose if we don't get in it. We should be rushing, uh, we should be rushing to you. Um, I think that that will be the case for, for a period of time and, and, and you can't encourage people to do the smart thing, we just have to figure it out. And that's, and I mean that to investors who are overlooking those communities. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I'm gonna introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Jeff Osuji is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder at Event Noir, a technology startup and event ticketing platform based in Chicago that seeks to support and promote black enterprises and cultural events. His startup recently won a $1 million startup contest. A large part of the value proposition is that for every ticket sold on their platform, a large percentage goes back into communities and nonprofits working to uplift those communities. I used to DJ, so I was excited to speak with Jeff, since he's also an event promoter, about his experience behind the scenes when throwing events. For black events particularly, it might be harder than you imagine going from an idea for throwing a party to opening the doors at the gate. Thusly, I wondered how Jeff thought building a technology platform helps to stave off the discrimination that happens behind closed doors. One of the things that we found out hosting events for 15 years, especially in the metro area or urban area, right? Um, we found out, you know, most of us in terms of black folks, we didn't own any of the venues downtown. So we were going to try to get those venues for events. You get those questions like, okay, uh, what kind of crowd is it gonna be, right? Uh, okay, who's it gonna be? And um, you show up and they find that you are black, you either get charged a higher rental, because some of the premier spots, you won't even get an opportunity for the party. They'll tell you the date's not available, et cetera. Um, so it was just a lot of frustration. We realized that we were making the venues that we did partner with a lot of money, but we didn't own those. And we were making the liquor brands that we helped support a lot of money. And we didn't own any of that. And so for us, we just want to create uh, a way for us to own a piece of the event ecosystem uh, because we know the influence that Black people have on arts, culture, entertainment, especially as it as it relates to events. What would you say are some like the non-obvious discriminatory practices that might happen? Like the things that the consumers may not even realize they don't have the opportunity to take advantage of because we don't have the opportunities in the actual production space. Yeah, so if you, this is one thing that I always like to point out when we talk about events and just around my colleagues, and we're getting ready to take a group of about 30 of us out to dinner uh, in the event space here in Chicago, we're getting a tour together just to uh, speak to different event promoters. But think about this. If you go to a party where it's predominantly uh, Caucasian folks, they're never, you're never going to hear somebody say, man, it needs to be more diverse, diverse in here. What we would hear during our black events were like, man, can you guys you know, make it a little bit more diverse? Like you need, you know, try to get some, some some white folks, some Latino folks in here. That's something that we never heard, you know, when we were at other events where we were always the minority. So, you know, here in Chicago, where, where I'm from, I'd say that when you get about 25 to 30% of uh, African-American crowd in your party, 
all of a sudden it becomes a black party. And um, and so what happens is you'll hear managers and owners at times say, look, hey, it's, it's getting a little, you know, we got to stop. You see doormen stop letting in black people and using the dress code. Um, so we saw all types of things in our in our 15 years. And then you get kicked off of nights as a promoter. They say, hey, we're not going to be able to do business anymore. The neighbors are complaining. Um, of course, we're catering to doctors, lawyers, all professionals. So when we hear complaints about neighbors complaining about people being there, we know that it's just because they see a group of black folks and they see us as an eyesore. And so for us, again, we just knew ownership was the way. And the first thing we thought about was ticketing um, and really being able to own um, that piece because we looked at the general market ticket partners out there. We know that they weren't truly event partners. They didn't do anything to support our events. Um, and we were like, you know what, if, what if we could start a ticketing platform and actually partner with people, help them get venues, but also just a central marketplace uh, where black people can find events where they'll be welcomed and embraced instead of being turned away at the door, uh, instead of being told that they're uh, not going to be able to get in. Just a place where we can be ourselves. I think we all had that experience as, as black folks when you get out of work and you want to just be around people that look like you. Oftentimes you have to go searching. Um, here, in, here in Chicago, for instance, where I'm from, uh, there's a lot of great venues downtown that are upscale. But in our neighborhoods, you know, we don't have those rooftops. Right. We don't have those uh, super luxury um, event spaces. And we've you know, we've talked to some of the city leaders about getting those going. But we want to be able to direct folks to places where they're going to be embraced instead of spending our money in uh, venues and in places where, you know, we're just being tolerated. There's this quote because I, I do want to talk about the technology behind Event Noir, but there's this quote before we do that. Um, it comes from Steve Jobs and, and it says technology is nothing. What's important is that you have faith in people that they're basically good and smart. And if you give them the tools, they'll do wonderful things with them. And when I think about what you've been doing, it's like you're utilizing tech, but like you're not just building tech for tech's sake. Like you're doing it to solve real problems in the community. Could you speak to that? A hundred percent. When we first started out, we had the, uh, the ugliest, you know, worst platform in the world. And we're still far from where we want to be. We actually, um, you know, we just closed our pre-seed round. We're launching the seed, seed round to really get our technology where we want it to be. But for us, this is one thing we knew. If you can move people, you can move the world. And so we knew that we had an influence. Um, and at any given time on a Friday night, if you can tell people to go somewhere and you can pull, have 500 people pull up, there's power and influence in that. And so for us, it was just all about creating that central marketplace, that central place where People can go and they see any event on that platform, they know it's for us. I had the experience traveling out of town where I go on, um, say, Eventbrite, amazing platform. When I go there, I'm like, okay, which which one of these spots is for me, <laughs> right? Which one am I going to see some people that look like me? If I want to see some beautiful women, um, where am I going to go? And I, I couldn't tell, right? And so I go, I, when I was in New York, I said, okay, what's going on in Harlem? What's going on in Brooklyn? I'm hoping, I know I'm going to see some more diversity there. So, you know, we, our plans are to replicate this for Latinx communities. For the, We've already been approached by um, some LGBTQ organizations here. Uh, we all had that sense of wanting to be like people, be around people uh, where we can create that sense of community. Uh, and so for us, from a, from a tech perspective, we're working on some things such as AI, we can be able to recommend events for folks. But anytime somebody would go out of town, they say, hey, Jeff, who's the Jeff of DC? New York, Atlanta, and I just got tired of getting these text messages. So I knew it was important for us to create, create a platform for that. So let's talk about building the platform. You talked about how, you know, non-glamorous it was in the beginning. And so often, you know, we think 
especially because we already get discounted as black people building technologies and building platforms that it's got to be beautiful by the time we launch. So talk about a little bit about how we can get away with putting up a WordPress site that does X, Y, Z or, or launching something, you know, on squares or whatever, but that we don't have to go always and go hire engineers or learn how to code, but we can get out our beta or our MVP with using existing technologies. Definitely, definitely. You know, I have a couple of friends and they have some no code apps um, that they've been able to build on, um, what's it, Bubble. Uh, Bubble's a great platform out there. Whether you already have so many templates and any idea you think of, somebody's probably already done it, right? Ticketing's not a novel idea, but we have a twist on it that, that's able to serve our, our community's needs. Um, and the most important thing for us was that those, re the revenue that we get from ticket fees, we're able to get that back to our event partners and organizations we work with. So we're keeping that money within the black community. But, you know, for us, we had, we did hire an offshore developer in India and they created the most horrible platform out there. Uh, luckily we tested on our events and we had to scrap it within a couple of weeks. So we, we threw $25,000 down the drain when we first started. Um, and had I known that we could have gone to a, a bubble or, or gone to uh, any of these platforms out there or, or actually partnered with another ticketing company, the same way Jay-Z when it found a Norwegian, uh, you know, streaming platform that he purchased for $50 million and then rebranded his title. You know, there's people out there who already have platforms that you're working on and they might just work with you to license it. Uh, for us, we decided to build it from, from scratch originally. It was a horrible, <laughs> horrible decision um, because you oftentimes find these uh, developers that are building your platform, some of them don't know what they're doing and they're oversell. So I really encourage people to look at Bubble um, to identify five to 10 companies that are already doing what you're doing and reach out to them and say, Hey, um, you know, can I leverage your technology, uh, and, and put a, you know, leverage my marketing and my, my branding to, to do something a little bit different, but still create a win-win. All right. So there we were cruising through the new open air zoo. When I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes, luckily we were in my Nissan Rogue with its powerful VC turbo engine. Well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. 
So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You, so you got a little bit of money now. Congratulations on, on the Mountain Dew thing. And so talk to me about what you learned about how to hire technical talent since you have the capital to do some of that now. Like what did you learn in the process of making those mistakes that you can now has, have as part of your toolkit so that when you're interviewing technical talent, you know how to ask these questions? So as a CEO or as a founder, your job once you have some funds is to figure out how to hire people smarter than you, right? I'm, I'm not a tech founder. I'm somebody that's new to the tech space. Um, and so it's important for us to be able to speak to individuals who can make your product better. Um, so while interviewing folks, the, the biggest thing I'm looking for is people that are telling me how wrong my platform is, uh, how wrong my technology is, and what are the, the possibilities of what it could be. And of course, looking at the experiences that they've had, it's important for us to understand the user experience of, of black consumers. You know, we are very active users digitally and I, I've, I've worked in uh, digital marketing for years and we peruse the internet differently. You know, we navigate information differently. So it's important for us to hire folks who understand the user experience um, and just how, you know, black folks access information and what we prefer. Um, so two things, making sure that they have the experience uh, and working with similar types of, um, of industries uh, and then then number two, making sure that they understand the, the black consumer, because we're marketing to to black event attendees and event organizers and they have unique needs. Uh, one of the best things about us starting was that we were our own customer. We tested the platform out on ourselves for a year and a half before we released it to anybody else. So a lot of the kinks that we um, experienced, you know, that we knew about, uh, we were able to jump ahead of. And so we're actually almost finished building out the third iteration of the platform which released next month and it just really has all the feedback we got from ourselves but everything we took to learn in the during the pandemic um talking to our our consumers so making sure that person has real world experience and you know it really has to prove because everybody's going to sell you especially devs on what they can do they all say they can do everything so and and from the other side of the table you know, a lot of developers are in high demand. Like these people can go a lot of different places, especially the good ones, the ones that you're talking about trying to recruit and retain. What is the sell? Like, what is the big idea that you found that gets people to say, you know what? Yeah, I got these other offers, but I'm rocking with Jeff. Um, from our perspective, you know, you know, equity is important, right? So 
we're looking for people that want to be a part of the law around the, on the journey for the law hall. And so we're actually looking for a lead developer right now. And we're looking for somebody that want, that understands where we can go and where we're trying to go. We're talking about five, 10 years down the road. We're not just looking to be an event platform. We want to be the BET of events. We're selling merchandise, right? We, we realized during COVID, we have to have incremental revenue streams. We're launching a subscription-based model. People don't just want to have ticketing and access to uh, more capital. They want they want to know about how they can get more sponsorships for their events. Uh, they want to understand how they can build a six-figure event. I mean, you guys have done amazing things with Afrotech. It's, it's a place you have to be if you're in the tech space, right? Um, BET, you have to go to the BET Awards if you're in entertainment and you want to network. And so we're trying to help event organizers become smarter um, along with, um, you know, selling tickets and, and getting a piece of their, their fees. So um, it's important to have somebody that's there for the long haul, somebody that, um, for me, I like when people say, hey, you know what, I'll take a little bit less money because I want equity. I want to, I want to get money on the back end um, because it shows us that they understand the business, they understand what the real uh, opportunity is here. You know, I think about, um, I have this Oculus, right? And so I, I, I've read stories about Oculus and like in the future, like you'll be able to sit courtside at an NBA game and not even be at the game, but you got your, your, your shades on. And I wonder your thoughts on how the future of events might look and therefore where does event noir play when artificial intelligence, well, not artificial, from when virtual reality and augmented reality, I'm sorry, become more prevalent and accessible for consumers to be able to take advantage of um, real real world and in any other case, um, entertainment. It's, it's super important that in the future we have a super hybrid platform that can leverage um, you know, digital events. But just from a founder's experience of where my co-founders and I are, one thing we realized during the pandemic was that there's nothing that can replace an in-person event. Uh, and so you know, down the line, we're definitely going to have the, the AI piece, but sitting down with somebody, looking in their eyes, being able to dance with somebody, uh, being able to, to, to talk to a DJ, request your favorite song, those are experiences you can't mimic in the, in the digital space. Um, DJs so don't you, always like that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it, right? <laughs> they hate it. But just being able to get that uh, get that frown from them, like until yeah, yeah. until get away, right? Like there's nothing that can replace that. And we've seen that once the events have uh, returned with the surge in revenue, of course. But just the number of people that are out, everything's for all organizers. They're making more money than they ever made. Everything's sold out. People want to meet in person. So I basically said that to say that we're creating more opportunities for folks to have those in-person events, understanding that down the line, we're going to have to have that um, hybrid technology. For now, we're making sure that all the Zooms, um, all of those digital platforms can easily integrate with our platform. People can send their tickets out to their virtual link uh, and they can be able to actually, for Zoom, for instance, we're working on an integration where you can you know, host your, your live events right on our interface. So, so you either have to be able to integrate and, and work with those guys and have the proper APIs, or you're gonna to have to build out your own uh, platform that can can manage the digital uh, digital uh, space as well. So uh, I mentioned that you guys got a little bit of money now, having won a Mountain Dew challenge. So congratulations on that. Thank you. What did you learn about winning a competition when you? Because you've got so many people who sign up for these things, and this is a million dollar challenge. So having gone through that process, having pitched over and over and over again, getting through different levels of this competition, what did you learn that? could potentially be a key for other people who are trying to get through processes and competitions and get picked for boot camps and get picked for accelerators. What you learned in that process that 
ah, this might be the thing that people are missing and why they get rejected. Man, special thanks to Mountain Dew, man. So many corporations, uh, you know, put their black boxes on Instagram and, and made their statements last year. And so for them to come through and, and really uh, support an organization like they did and entrepreneurs like ourselves is amazing. So uh, thank you to Pepsi, thank you to Blavity, BT, everybody that was involved. But to answer your question on, on that part, there were over 200 startups that applied and there were some amazing startups with great technology. And what I realized is that when you have an idea, it's not about you know, how amazing your idea is to you. It's about how easy it is for other people to understand what you're trying to do and how easy it is for understand the impact that you can have and where you can take it to. So, you know, we're an event ticketing platform, but our mission is we want to recycle a million dollars annually back into community organizations, uh, event organizations, event partners, uh, just to keep that money within the community. And um, for us, we believe that that, that impact piece uh, tied in with just the fact that everybody has that same problem, right? You have to be able to solve a problem that everybody around you is experiencing and where the people can understand. Um, when I pitched in 2020 during the pandemic to folks and they weren't people that understood black culture and the fact that our event ecosystem is different, very promoter driven, they just couldn't resonate with the problem, right? If I'm a 80 year old, 70 year old, uh, you know, white male, I may not understand that I can't get into certain venues because I'm black. You know, I'm not welcome in certain areas because I'm black and they definitely don't care about going to anybody's party, right? Or their, their, their gala. So I think that for us, we had an audience of folks who truly understood the pain point and problem uh, and the fact that it was a need in the community, but also really resonate with the impact. So my advice is simplify your pitch. Um, anytime I've talked to an investor, they didn't understand exactly what we did. It was almost like I lost them and they've never able to get them back. So definitely simplify your pitch and make sure that you're really making sure that that problem that you're solving is something that people can relate to. Um, and so just know your audience too, right? Like you, not everybody is gonna be a good audience for you when you're pitching. Nobody, so if you know your audience, know who you're talking to. We just happen, I believe, to have folks that really understood the problem that we're trying to tackle. So how do, how do you simplify that pitch when you could also run the risk of opening up yourself for questions of like, okay, how, where is the unique value here that you offer that other people in the space can't offer or not as well? Yeah. Well, you definitely have to address that in your, in your problem point. I think that the way to simplify your pitch, you should always be able to say it. I think my, my one of my mentors, uh, Gary Cooper, CEO Reapley, I think he just raised about 12 million. And um, you got to sit five to six words or less. You'd be, should be able to say what your company is and people should be able to get it like that, right? Eventwire is, is, we're essentially event right for the culture, right? Um, we want to be where culture and events intersect, but we also want to be a ticketing platform that supports the black community. And you got to be able to say that easily and simply. So you have some folks that, you know, you talk about what they're doing and they have an amazing, amazing product, but people just can't get it. You should be able to say it like that. Um, and I think it's always good to be able to compare that to a, uh, a similar company. I think, I think he said his company is Google for supply chain, right? People can always relate to Google, Amazon, Eventbrite, right? So I think that's the easiest thing. Who are you trying to be? Because there's always somebody doing something similar to what you're trying to do and communicate what you're doing differently. Is there a way to say I'm Eventbrite for the culture and still not get pigeonholed into this way? Well, they're just, they're doing the same thing except it's just for black people. Like how do you communicate the value there? Or is there a different moat that that simple pitch doesn't communicate? 
I mean, you do have to be able to elaborate on how you're different. Like when you first present who you are, uh, with that quick, you know, 30 second pitch, you should also talk about how you're different, right? Our, we're taking the, and and to take a backtrack, there's a number of companies that have done exactly what other companies have done and done it in a separate, in a different way. We know what Bob Johnson did with BET. We know that MTV existed already, right? And he created uh, a billion dollar company focusing on the consumer that he knew the best. Um, so for us, when we talk about event noir, uh, we have a couple of things that make us different that can easily be mimicked uh, by larger companies. And that's one is sharing service fees. Now, most companies are too big and they don't want to give away that revenue, right? We're going to share those fees with our community partners. We're giving away 40% of our revenue and that's kind of unheard of, but we're doing it because it's near and dear to our hearts to make sure that we're recycling dollars back into the black community, right? We know the need for that economic empowerment. And we know that when an event partner has an event and they get an extra check for $5,000, right? <laughs> you know, we're, we're, they're, they're, they're event partners for life, right? So, you know, I think that communicating how you're doing things differently is just as important as, as communicating uh, simply what you're doing and comparing it to somebody else. So it's, it's all part of your pitch. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So when I, when I hear things like, you know, we're giving away 40% of our revenue to community organizations and all the conversations I've had, I think about, okay, what would a VC say to that? And they're, because, you know, as you know, like VCs want 10X, 20X, 
hundred X returns. They want big, you know, market uh, opportunities and billion dollar companies. How does an event noir get to billion dollar opportunity when you, when you give away 40% of the revenue? Well, you had to introduce incremental revenue streams. And, and for us, we knew that what we're doing in terms of giving away all that revenue isn't sustainable without charging a subscription. So uh, later on in 2022, we're going to charge a prescription for all the, the, the added value that we're providing our, our users. Um, but we're, we're leveraging our incentive-based program right now to create that stickiness and really drive those relationships. But in, in January, we're going to charge a subscription fee so that, hey, you know, it's going to make sense for you to pay the subscription fee because the return on investment is so big for you to share within those royalties. But now you can also sell merchandise and make extra money doing that. Now we can also put you in front of event sponsors. So figuring out how you consistently add value to your consumer base and be able to charge for that value add um, is how we're going to get to the billions. How, how important is it for us to own the entire supply chain? So I think about this, like you're an event promoter, like you're a guy who throws events all over the country and then you also you built the platform so you can sell tickets to these events and then at some point you may own a spot at some point you might you know own the isp that helps people get online to get to i'm, I'm so this this whole value chain because i think about we try to do so many good things for our communities but then we have to leverage technologies that we didn't build therefore we spend money with other companies that doesn't come back to our communities like what is your thoughts on how we can own the entire ecosystem and keep that dollar circulating in black com black communities. I will say this huge, huge uh, uh, power in, in data, right? We spend a lot of money uh, hosting and promoting events and on Facebook ads and Google ads. But if you create a comprehensive ecosystem of folks who are more likely to attend your event anyway, because it's mostly black folks our events, you know, why shouldn't we be able to allow our partners to tap into that database to push their products, uh, push their events. So I think of it at like Google and Facebook, um, how we can create our own Googles, our own Facebooks, our own Amazons. And, and data is a big part of that. And there's no more of an active and engaged audience than somebody that has tens of events. Um, so what we're essentially doing is looking to tie in the black diaspora in the US, the UK, Africa. There's very similar experiences as relates to events and even racism in the UK, uh, as you'll see in, in, in uh, Paris, France, I went to Paris and it was the one place in the world I went to where I felt like, wow, this is just like being in America in terms of the racism that I, that I felt. Um, you know, we got turned away from a, from a nightclub and the guy was like, look, uh, you know, you know, you're black, it's no, no women with you. It's like, you know, he, get, he basically told me why you couldn't get into the club. And the real reason was that we were black and, you know, we had baseball caps on. And so, um, I feel like there's a unique experience that black people have. And it's also this connectedness that we need to have that makes Avenoir a global opportunity. And uh, and I think it's an opportunity to connect all of us internationally, right? The whole black diaspora. My parents are both born in Nigeria. And when I go home, I see probably three guys look like you will, right? I would see three, four people like my one of my friends back home. And so we're, we're all connected. Uh, but we don't have an opportunity or a platform that connects us. So I want folks to be able to go to Nigeria and, and find an event uh, on a venue that they can attend when they travel there. So again, we're, we're looking to create our own Google, right? Where now if you wanna reach more black folks from diaspora, um, we have the data to be able to do that. So it's, it's a larger, larger data play.
It's, I'm so glad you mentioned data because when I think about you and people who do what you do well, one asset that you have that you can never be robbed of is the data that you have, the email list, you know, so you could throw a party and you already got 50,000 people on this list and you don't have to spend as much money, you know, because I remember, I remember the story and I think it was Tyler Perry and how he built his audience and he had an email list of like 100,000 people. And so when he went to go throw a play in Chattanooga, he already had the, the consumers there who already bought in by supplying that email address built in audience. Talk about that and, and the importance of people who do things that are not necessarily technical, like build, like throwing events, how they leverage data to do that better. Definitely. Um, and think about that, right? I, I worked in, in healthcare for, for quite some time. And I think about this, the same mess data that we're using to promote events. Imagine if we were to send that out to people um, to get information about access to capital, uh, about home ownership, about health care, sharing the resources that we all have and making it easier to share, share that information. So um, in terms of monetizing data, it's, that's what all these companies are doing, right? And I looked at, and this is one of the reasons why we're bringing together curators, promoters, curators, event party hosts, whatever you want to call those, right? Some promoters don't like to be called uh, promoters, but I I talk to promoters all the time and say, look, own what you are, but make sure that you're not just known for throwing parties. The data that you have is super, super powerful, right? There's only, we've been approached and worked with politicians for their political campaigns. Um, I mean, Diddy was a party promoter, right? Um, AJ from 106 and Park started off as a party promoter. You're learning how to interact with people every single day. And for people like myself that just love bringing people together, you can use that for so much good, right? And so, there's, I think that most people who are curators and promoters have to make sure they don't, they understand their influence and understand their power and understand that data can be used for good to add value to the people around you, your, you know, your consumers' lives. And, that, and that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to serve our consumers in a, in a different way and leverage that data to, to improve the quality of their lives. Um, and so I plan to launch a number of, of, of companies that focus just on doing that and leveraging data to do it. What, what's unique about building tech in Chicago? Man, uh, so Chicago's a unique place because most people understand uh, it's one of the most beautiful countries, I mean, city, excuse me, in the world, right? But it's also one of the most racist cities in, in, in the world. And people understand that there's these huge racial divides. We are a city of neighborhoods and we have some of the brightest people in the world. And I know you guys have seen the influence of a lot of Chicagoans in on the culture in terms of music, but it's a place where the the story has always been that you got to get out of Chicago to make it. You got to go to one of the coasts. But there's a new generation of folks who have said, no, I'm not doing that. We're going to stay right here. We're going to build against all odds. And so it's a world-class city with world-class resources that unfortunately, if you're on the South and the West side, where the prim primarily African-American neighborhoods are, you don't necessarily get access to those resources downtown unless you work very hard to do that. And it, I'm excited about there being a change. We have a, a, a black mayor right now. Um, there's a number of, of black founders who have been able to successfully raise money. And there's organizations like 1871, uh, Polsky, that's the University of Chicago. And we just, I was on a steering committee for Black Founders Accelerator. So there's this big surge, and I think it's happening around the, the country right now, of folks that are saying, you know what, it's time for a change. Um, 
if you look at, you know, John Monopoly, who's Kanye West manager, uh, he was the, um, you know, he helped discover Virgil as well as Don C. He's on our board. Uh, he's passionate about making sure that he's um, uplifting folks from the city. Um, so it's one of those places where it's a certain grittiness that if you have, you know that you can you can do anything. I mean, it's the home of Michael Jordan. It's the home of, you know, arguably one of the hottest you know rappers right now, Little Dirk. But it's a place where you have to have that balance of, of greediness and uh, just, you know, business acumen. And if you have that, you can really succeed. So I, one thing I like is that when you go anywhere, people kind of point out folks from Chicago. You know, I believe we have a certain certain swag to us. And it, you know, we're, we're used to getting the job done by, by any means necessary. So I'm um, a Chicago went to Chicago ends, but, uh, you know, luckily I've been able to travel. I lived in LA, uh, lived in, in New York and, you know, leveraging that network and bringing those things that I've learned back to Chicago has allowed me to, to do well here. What would you say, because you are building, you know, in a vertical that has big sharks in the water. And there are a lot of us in our community who have an idea, but because these big sharks are in the water, we say, you know what, maybe I should go do something else. Or maybe this ain't for me. Or maybe because people are asking about the sharks, maybe they're trying to tell me I shouldn't be playing in these waters. What would you say to people who have idea and want to do their thing, but there are those big players. Man, you know, every, in my opinion, you know, every, every giant must fall, right? You know, I mean, there's amazing companies out there, but you know, every day that you're building, you're, you're faster than you're leaner than they are. Um, you're probably more hip and can move faster than they can. Uh, you probably have your ear more to the street because sometimes those folks get comfortable. Also, it's important to learn from their moves and, there's enough, and this is one thing I want to say about uh, us as being black founders and organizations in general, um, there's enough money out there for all of us. So don't think that you can't carve out your niche. Um, I have, a, there, there's a lot of folks that say, hey, there's, this person's already doing that. This person's already doing this. There's a number of ticking companies out here, right? Some of them, um, you know, are, are in the same area as us. And my thing is, you can always carve out your niche. You can always carve out, start with, 20 people within your circle, grow that to a thousand, grow that to 50,000. It's possible. Um, there's McDonald's, there's Wendy's, all right? There's Burger King. I think that you often find that people will try to pin black organizations either against each other and say, oh, they're competition. I can't collaborate. The reality is the opportunity is to collaborate, figure out how you guys can work together and, and make sure that you're more powerful. It's all about giving each other a seat at the table because there's enough money out there for for everybody. And they're, they're not, as you guys know, with a lot of our friends who've gotten our, you know, access to a lot of resources out there. And there's a lot of jokes about the PPP loans, but I hope that folks access that. But there's a lot of money out there. They're not gonna stop printing it. And, um, you know, so don't definitely don't be scared of the big guys. Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech from the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakar Savanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. The video version of this episode will drop the Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week, so tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? 
Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. 
Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.